Folks, if your financial professional tends to speak in terms of their industry jargon, it can be confusing, but it's important to have clarity, which is why I so recommend Arif Halaby of Total Financial Solutions. My wife Sue and I are Arif's clients because he provided us with such clarity. He is very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to reliable retirement income. Tune into Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM 870, The Answer. The information on the show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, CA Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, CA Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Hey, welcome to the show, the Total Financial Hour. My name is Eric Hallaby. Hey, thanks for being with me this hour of the program. Hey, we're talking about your family's finances. I hope you had a pretty good 4th of July. I mean, a really good 4th of July. And you got to, <laughs> we think about this uh, with uh, the recent, Nike problem, you think to yourself, wait a second, do they, do they really, are, are they really offended by the, the American flag on a pair of sneakers? And who dictates the marketing prowess of a multinational, multi-billion dollar company? Well, it's a entitled, spoiled, oh, I don't know, socialist, leftist, anti-police, no, more than that, law enforcement hating individual, right, who grew up upper middle class, had a wonderful life, at least by all accounts, had a wonderful life, and lived in a world where didn't want for anything, didn't need for anything, and, you know, historically and statistically speaking, he really didn't give any substantial amount of his income to charity. To help those. But when his back's against the wall, does it sound like O.J. Simpson, right? All of a sudden, O.J. flees to the uh, community in which he once left, right? Oh, I'm, I'm oppressed. I'm, I'm a victim. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I've never lived in that world, so it's very difficult for me to understand it. But I can tell you, when they run around shutting down free speech, when they run around, listen, if he wants to kneel down, let him kneel down, right? Of course, he's not playing anymore. But and, and if he's a good football player, then hire him to play football. And if you're the owner of the team and you say, hey, listen, when I am paying you, when you are working for me, when you are wearing my company uniform and you are on the clock, this is the rules. You, you don't get to, to do your own thing. Otherwise, why are you the owner of the company? I guess owner of the company now is a uh, derogatory, racist, and you know bigoted term to say somebody owns a company. You guys, I, I bring this up to you because as a financial firm, right, the total financial hour, you are the ones that are going to be paying for things. Some of you have, have saved and done very well for retirement. Now, I've never met anybody who thinks that they are wealthy. Now, let me add a caveat to that. 
when a client comes in, if they have 200000 or $25 million, no joke, what will they say? We're middle class or upper middle class. Nobody thinks they're poor and nobody thinks they're wealthy. So when everybody is supporting, running around supporting these rules, yeah, I got an idea. We should tax the rich. Everybody's like, yes, we should. Go get them. And then you turn around and you go, wait, wait, wait. Why are y'all chasing me? You're supposed to go get the rich. But if somebody has more than you, you immediately call them rich. That's what happens. And that creates a problem because in a system where you're not trying to, to measure people by the content of their checkbook, but instead the character, what changes? Well, you end up in a, in a spot where everything is just so subjective. How much money you should have, how much money you should make, what your retirement account should look like. So be very careful about jumping down these trends and these uh, crazy ideas. Every time you turn around, there's somebody wanting to ban a sneaker or ban a football player for speaking out. No, no, no. The, the, it's the exact opposite. If you can play football and you want to kneel down and the owner of the team says that's a good idea, well, then go for it. I would fire you if I own the team. I don't care how good of a player you are. But that's my team. Your team could be something different. Ask Jerry Jones. He didn't put up with it. That's why I became a Dallas Cowboys fan. Still am. Because he is a, a, an American first. And not all this racial divide stuff. Nobody says it's a perfect world. But all of these social justice and injustice things are going to land on your paycheck. Right? When climate change becomes a big thing, what did they do in L.A. County? They now tax you for the amount of roof space, and concrete. Do you guys know that? You will pay an additional tax. Those of you, you've heard me say this for for years, at least six years. Prop 13 is dead. I mean, it lives in name. But it's, uh, it isn't property tax. It's storm water recapture tax or whatever baloney they're saying. And so... Oh, yeah, yeah, your, your, your property tax is this. But then off to the side, you have to pay this stormwater tax, which is the amount of concrete, asphalt. If you own a commercial building, maybe you saved your whole life, you bought an apartment building. Okay, you're paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a year. It's just another way to tax air. That's it. They're taxing the land on, and then the building on top of the land when you build it. Through permit fees and... Then the fees on top of that, and then they increase your assessments. And then licensing fees for your car, other than the car registration. And then, of course, just this last week, oh, gasoline tax. Some of you have heard me say that uh, my daughter goes to school in the Midwest, and you can hear it's about $1.80, $2.05 a gallon gas compared to here. And they do not have a refinery close by. Whereas in California, the refinery, they pull it out of the ground and the refineries are nearly in eye distance, you know, eyesight from each other, driving distance and still stop for lunch. Really, it's that close. And then it goes to the gas station on the other side of the street. And yet, it's all laden with taxes and fees. So I've, I've told you this forever. As a financial, uh, I don't know, expert guy who cares about this stuff, whatever you want to call me, as a guy who is interested in the financial world, 
I'm, I tend to look at trends and I observe. And there's a reason that people are fleeing the United States. Some. But more so they are fleeing California. Now, I think this is the greatest country on the earth. I've been to many of them. But this state, besides being one of the most beautiful in the world, right? It, it has the craziest laws. It's run by people who I think can't find anything else to do except create a law, and then they create a law to fix the law, and then they create another law because that law created a problem. So if you think banning something, I don't care what it is, because you think it's going to kill people, you understand killing people is already illegal. So it's not an answer of saying, well, we're going to ban guns because they lead to killing people, so we're going to ban whatever. And you say, well... Isn't it already against the law? So we're going to make it really, really, really bad. Well, that's amazing. So all of these rules, all of these laws, if you plan on staying in California, whether you're going to live here because you enjoy the weather or your family or it's just your home, I think you have to realize that you need to be a bit more active because you're the ones with the money. It's not the 28-year-olds. It's not the 32-year-olds, you know, who who've chosen not to get married and who have two roommates and they they hang out and they spend $250 on a weekend just in wine and, and tapas at the local pub. Wonderful things to do. But their goal is to not save in their retirement account. Their goal is to not save uh, and buy a house, which means subject to property tax. Their goal is to rent in a place with rent control. So if they rent from you and the taxes increase, but you cannot increase the rent, whose profit is squished in the middle? Yours. So if part of your retirement plan is to lead to uh, creating, having real estate, for example, then you might end up in a situation where you're being squeezed on one side with regulation and taxes, fees and assessments and all the whatever words they want to use on it, you uh, use uh, for it where they pull money from your pocket, goes to theirs. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Your, your renters like, hey, I'm, I'm living in this city. I, I think it's great. We had somebody come in recently. They lived in Santa Monica. Their rent control. And they were referred by somebody, okay? So at a referral, they come in. So they kind of know what we do, but the, the referral person, the person who referred them was very happy. So they said, oh, you got to go see Arif. He really helped me out. Oh, great. She comes in very excited. So we sit down. Income is pretty high, in my opinion, for somebody in their early 30s. $150,000. That's nice per year. It's a lot of money. And I said, well, what about your rent? Well, my rent is $1,200 a month. I said, well, wow, how's that? He said, because for the last 15 years, I was 18 years old and I shared an apartment with my mom. And she had a, a rent control, and she put me on the lease as soon as she could. So I've been here for as long and then some. I'm saying, are you kidding? You're right four blocks, five blocks from the beach. I said, yep. I said, wow, what a. So what is your plan? Is it to, to buy a house? Is it to buy investment property? What, what is the purpose of this money? Because, you know, that's my first question, I guess. What's the job? What's the purpose? And she said, she looked at me, furrowed her brow and says, what? 
Why would I ever want to buy a house? You know how many taxes and fees and problems come with that? I said, well, yeah, yeah, I do. She said, no, 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 I just use my money to, to I have an amazing car, which is an electric car. It's a $100,000 car plus. She goes, I, I love that. And, you know, at work, my company pays for the electricity so I can charge it. When I go to the store, to the mall, I charge it. It's free at some of these places. She said, I, I said so I'm thinking, wow, you, you must have hundreds of thousands of dollars saved in your savings account. Nope. Because of quality of life, she takes a lot of vacations. I'm all for that. I think that's a great idea. My point is, if you think the future is Silicon Valley's millionaires that are 22 years old, I don't think they're going to put into the Social Security system the way that you think or the 401k system the way that you think. I think there's going to be some challenges along the way because you are the ones with the money. Don't forget that. It's the old golden rule, right? He who has the gold makes the rules. Well, you guys need to remember that. As seniors, the reason that everybody uh, panders to senior citizens, we'll give you this and free health care and Medicare and this and is because they know that you're the ones that have time and concern and care to vote, to care about the issues. So if you're 50 years or older, or you're within six months or a year of retiring, or you've just retired, you absolutely need to come and see me. I can probably help you because here's the challenge. You're in a spot where you said, well, if I can't do that, I'm going to trust real, uh, Wall Street. So you go and you trust Wall Street and you find out that Wall Street has such an amazing formula. Ready? They get paid whether you make money or not. That's pretty amazing. You're like, but, but why am I giving you my money? To hold it? Or so that I can log online? And then they charge you a fee on the same money that they charged you a fee on, on the same money that they charged you a fee on. Now, some of you may have amazing accounts. Wonderful. Here's how you check. And if you do, then just, go, gosh darn it, keep doing what you're doing. I think it's a, it's a great move. If you have found a way to make it, keep doing it. So here's how you check. When did you open the account? To today, how much money did you make? For the sake of argument, well, I put in a hundred thousand. Today, it's worth a hundred and sixty. Wow, that's great! You've made sixty thousand dollars. So wonderful. Write that down. When did you open it? I opened it eighteen years ago. Okay, well, eighteen years ago, we've had ups and downs. Market's gone up, up, down, crazy. Good. How much did it cost you? And you do the math. And maybe it, it costs you, for the sake of argument, $2,000 a year plus in fees. Probably more, but let's just say $2,000 a year in fees. So many times the Wall Street guys will say, you see, you made $60,000 and it only cost you 2000 a year. And you go, wow, that's a great deal. I'll take two. What I want you to do is go back and do the math and say, how much did I put it in? What is it today? And then what has it cost me to get that? In other words, 2000 a year times 15, 18 years, $36,000 that you, so you spend 36 to get 60. One for me, one for you, one for me, one for you. Two for me, two, one for you, right? You, you do the math and figure out, is it worth it? 
if you, if it is worth it, if when you look at the whole formula and you like it, you say, oh, it cost me $4,000 in total to make 60, man, keep that account. I think that's a pretty good number. But it's one of the scary questions to ask. And one, a broker knows, uh, listen, I used to be one. I, I can tell you I'm a recovering you know, fee charger. So, right? We used to take fees from your accounts all the time. That's what, that's what people did. That was called normal. My first four years in this business, 20, well, 23 years ago I started, so whatever that number is, 18, 19 years ago, that's what we did. Because my boss has told me to tell you, you're going to get 12%. And you know what? Most of the time you did. Sometimes a lot more. And I look like the hero. Yes, you're so smart. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed. And then, and then we look back. And when the market went down, you see, if I was taking credit when it went up and you made money, then what am I supposed to take when it goes down and you lose money? I have to take the blame. And I didn't like that, right? I, I thought, well, wait a second. Let's have intellectual honesty here for a minute. If the market goes up and I'm taking credit, then when it goes down and, and I don't take the blame, there's a problem. And it would be something like this. Well, I really don't. I really don't have anything to do with it going up. I mean, I, I put the money in the accounts. At the time, there was ten or 11,000 different mutual funds you can put money into. I don't know what it is today. Something like that, probably. And, and I remember sitting there going, okay, name, name, address, social security number. Because if you put money into an account and it grows in value, fantastic. But if it goes down and you still paid a fee for it, then you're not paying a fee to make money. You're paying a fee to have a chance to make money. That's called gambling. Right? Because sometimes people go to the casino and they take a chance. And they can do really well. I don't know how close it is compared to your portfolio, but ask your professional, ask your financial advisor, what does it cost me to get to where I am? Here's what I do that's different. And it's not right for everybody, right? I find I'm right for maybe seven out of 10 of the folks that come and see us. So we're not right for everybody and I get it. It's okay. Well, first of all, this, if your account goes up, you'll get to make some interest. I'm sorry, if the market goes up, you get to make some interest in your account. If the market goes down, you stay the same. If you pull out more than 10% a year during the time that you selected, just like a CD or a cell phone contract, right? If you sign up for it and you cancel early, what do you pay? A fee. That's when you pay a fee with us. But there's no monthly fee. There's no quarterly fee. There's no annual fee. There's no deposit fee. There's no withdrawal fee. As long as you take out less than 10% per year. So what kind of money do you put in the accounts that we offer. Simple, guys. It's money that's designed to either leave to your beneficiaries or that's designed to give you a monthly income stream of less than 10% of the, of the amount per year during the first, let's say, 8 or 10 years. After that, you want to take out more, you can. If you took out 10% or more per year every year, you'll probably run out of money. So you don't normally do that anyway. But as you're doing this and as you're thinking about this, you have to say, is this account designed for my beneficiaries? And for some of you, that's part of it. Right? I know growing up from a family from the Middle East, taking care of your family, leaving something better for the next generation, whether it's you know a home or money or a business, whatever it might be, that's part of your legacy. Part of leaving something behind 
in our case, was to pass something so that your legacy and your kids would have a little bit better life. The problem is this. Today, without your money, your kids are having a better life anyway. It used to be, well, you know, for a lot of people, they would come here with very little. They would build up, and then they would, their children would stand on their shoulders, and then they would continue. Today, those kids have already surpassed, in some cases, where you are, both in knowledge, in opportunities, in, in skill. And this changes everything, because now you're not in a position to say, well, I'm going to leave money to my kids so that they could have a better life. No, no, no. They're in the United States of America at this time where knowledge is free. Knowledge is free. Right? You no longer have to send them to, to some faraway university. It's free. It's called the Internet. It's called your free cell phone. It's called free Wi-Fi at your coffee shop or library. Knowledge is free. Access to it is free. So now I want to challenge you. Leaving money to your beneficiaries. I want you to think twice about that. I'm okay if you want to leave something. Listen, that's, but let's, let's just explore this. Let's open this up for a minute. If leaving money to your beneficiaries was because you're thinking back to how you grew up, which is where you had a chance at things in life because somebody maybe made way for you a little bit or somebody gave you some money or paid for something for you. They gave you a chance. That's an amazing thing. I like that. But I think you have to think twice about yourself because nobody knows when they're going to die. And, and I laid out in the first part of the show that I think your taxes, your fees, your expenses are going to go through the roof, if you're, especially if you stay in California. No question about it. They already are. From gasoline tax, sales tax, watch. The city of Glendale is over 10% sales tax. 10% sales tax. You can walk across the street and save money on things. Incredible. So, what do people do? Some grin and bear it. Some people say, I'm not, I'm not spending enough. But I can promise you the state is looking at this. Other surrounding cities, especially the city of Los Angeles, is looking at this. And they're going to watch the numbers. They're going to see if you as a consumer push back. Did they see sales revenue drop? Did they see businesses leave the city? Are they watching to see if people are spending less money? Because if that happens, if tax revenue goes down, less money is spent, I think the rest of the surrounding areas, cities and counties and states, are just not going to do it. They're going to find another way. Like who would ever tax the stormwater, the amount of asphalt and root? Oh, wait, they already did that. <laughs> Crazy, right? First, when they came for cigarettes and, and alcohol, we all said, oh, yeah, go get those sins. <laughs> go, go tax those. I think you should. Yeah, I don't smoke. I don't drink. Go go tax those people. Those are, the, those are them. And they did. And everybody goes, yay. And then they said, now we're going to go tax, uh, you know, gun sales. Yay. Fewer people clap. Now we're going to tax, uh, you know, gasoline because you, it's global warming and environment. Yay. And now there's two people clapping. And they say, how in the heck did we get to this place? Well, because you started with something that you didn't like and you thought they would never come for you. It's just like they started with something that 
yeah, Nazis, listen, those are disgusting human beings and the ideology. But be very careful where you put the line on free speech, because now it's called hate speech, which in my opinion is synonymous, because any kind of speaking can be hateful. That's the only kind you're going to protect. It's like saying, I only keep my door locked for bad guys. Well, of course, that's the only reason you would do it. And the only reason you would protect any kind of speech, ask any Journalism 101 major, is because, simply, because it's not popular. Otherwise, 80% of the room would clap, yay, and everybody is fine with it. So I bring this to your attention so you can see the progressive decline in taxation, and you are next. And I don't want you to, to... allocate money to give away to your beneficiaries because I think it needs to be there for you as a just-in-case. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to share that with you. But before we do, let me give you the phone number, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. That's 888-997-3847. Okay, give us a call. Uh, Listen, I will be right back. Stay with me. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Halaby on AM870, The Answer. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, Arif Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income stream. Hey, welcome back to the show, the total financial hour, triple eight ninety nine retire. That's 888-997-3847, the total financial hour by TFS Financial and Insurance Services on AM870, The Answer. All right, we're talking about uh, should you pass money on as a beneficiary to your children or grandchildren? I don't mean spouses. Let's get that out of the way. Husband, wife, that's equal in my opinion. Uh, Today, husband, husband. Whatever it is where you have a spousal relationship, do not, in my opinion, take money from that person because they're counting on you. All right. I've, I've seen times where a guy says, I don't need to leave it to my wife and wife and five children. I don't need to leave it to them. I said, Oh my gosh, sir. Why? He said, well, she's just going to marry. You know, it was a, a, a part of a community that hates, they, they, they have this dream that this guy's going to come in the middle of the night and take your wife and her money. And, and because she's a widow or, or she's taking your money. And you're just going to die and make, you know, her next boyfriend rich. And, and I thought there for a minute, I had never heard of it before. And I, I remember thinking, sir, who, who do you think, what kind of man do you think is going to come in and marry a woman with five children under the age of 14? Do you think he's a good guy? Because instead of her having a choice where she's received money, uh, life insurance, inheritance, where she can now choose to be at home while the kids are vulnerable and young, work with them and, and take them to or seven, two jobs, three jobs. So they basically have lost two parents. So instead, he said, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to let him be rich. I want to spend my money. I said, okay. So keep this in mind that for a lot of people, well, some, Leaving money to others is absolutely the last thing on their mind. Okay, now, if it's your spouse, I think 100% it should be left to them. All right, let's get that out of the way. Next, your children. One of my 
concerns is you have now designated through guilt usually, and I've seen it, whether it would be uh, because mom left dad or dad left mom and mom feels she's responsible for it, or dad left mom and, and he feels guilty now. And so they do everything they can to pay it back through the form of leaving an inheritance or just being downright uh, codependent, you know, enabling. All they do is let the 26-year-old, he's still trying to get his feet under him. Well, yeah, go get your feet under yourself at someone else's house, buddy. You sleep till noon, you play video games, who knows what else you're doing on the internet. And you guys know it. You know that it's driven by guilt. So you have to get through that. Because one of the biggest mistakes you can do is leave assets outright to adult children. If they have not proven themselves, in other words, they have not finished their education, they have not been responsible in paying bills and saving, if they have not proven themselves to be legitimate members of society, financially speaking, then the money you give them is just fuel to the fire. Think of a barbecue that's you know heating up nicely, and then you add lighter fluid onto it. Your children, it will explode. Whatever habits they have, good or bad, they will uh, do more of them. They will amplify because of the money that you gave them, whether it's their spending on automobiles, whether it's the way that they uh, use alcohol or drugs, whether it's their uh, other vices that are not healthy for a young man or young woman. They will do more of those because they're trying to kill the pain of you passing away. So don't, especially for minors, but even for adult children, leave money outright. Okay, because what happens is nothing good. How much less do they care about your money than they care about their own? So you have to have a plan. It might be working with an attorney and setting up a living trust. It might be working with an attorney and setting up uh, a special needs trust. Right? A special needs trust, guys doesn't just mean I have an autistic or Down syndrome child that can't function in society and needs benefits. It means, or could mean, I have somebody who needs to have the overseeing of this money done by an uninterested third party who is somebody that I can trust. So a special needs trust, consider that. And you can put some triggers in there. Hey, when you get 40 years old, um, and you're evaluated by so and so, and you you know you you have this much saved of your own money. You've you own a house, you're married. I mean, you could put any kind of things you want in there. And if you don't, then you continue to receive a payment or whatever it might be. The risks to leaving wealth outright to even grown children could mean spouses when they divorce get your money. Because if they forget to pay their car insurance, if the, the spouse leaves them for the pool man or the, or the secretary at work, right? If that happens, your money is now part of the mix. And you worked your whole life to give somebody's boyfriend or girlfriend part of your money. That doesn't, that doesn't work. So be very careful about that, okay? Make an honest assessment of each child. Just because you have two or three or four kids doesn't mean you're supposed to leave anything equally. That is one of the biggest financial lies that I have come to see in 23 years of this business. In 23 years and thousands of people that I've seen, 
One of the biggest lies is that you should treat each child the same. It's not true. Some are better with money. Some are greedy. Some are lousy with money. Some are, are horrible with, with the addiction issues. You don't, you don't have to give them each equal. You assess each child. Oh, Eric, you don't understand. Listen, I do. I have three children. They're not all the same. You'd be crazy if you thought they were. Even triplets are not the same. Ask somebody who has triplets. So how do you assess them individually? Well, you go through a little bit of a test. You know, you ask, have they uh, saved their own money? The most valuable to any individual. Ask a nine-year-old who has a lemonade lemonade stand and goes to an amusement park and wants to spend your money on a toy. And when you say, well, Susie, you're going to spend the money that you made from your lemonade stand. And she says, "Um, never mind, Mommy. Oh, isn't that interesting? She values her money and her work effort more than yours. Well, she's nine. Of course she does. But 19, 29, 39, it doesn't change unless they demonstrate that it has. So the beneficiaries that that receive the funds, I think you should spend it on yourself first. If you say, I want to leave something for them, fine. I don't want them to be homeless. Fine. Give them the house. Put it in a trust where they cannot sell the house and just take the money out. You see that time and again. People with poor spending habits. Here's a great example. Right? Habitat for humanity and and, uh, building homes for heroes of Southern California. Whatever. These organizations that build these houses, then they turn the keys over to a family that has never owned a home before. And you say, and go. And they say, well, the water heater broke. Who am I supposed to call? Uh, the, uh, The, what do you mean? I have to pay for, what? Forget it. Let's sell the house and go back to renting. You see that time and again. It's kind of the dirty secret in the building houses for a, for people, business. Ask Jimmy Carter. One of the dirty secrets is how many people keep the house, learn to manage a home, learn to manage the expenses, to save part of their money each and every month so that it's set off to the side so that they can pay for repairs. Because once two or three or four things go wrong and they just forget about it, forget it, well, we're not going to use that bathroom anymore because it's broken and we don't know how to fix it. And then they, we're not going to use the dishwasher because it's broken and we don't know how to fix it. Oh, that leak, just put a bucket under it. And before you know it, what have they done? They've taken a very nice home. Now, it's not everybody. Of course not. I'm talking about, about teaching your kids how to manage a household so that when things break, they don't just go, eh, never mind. They take ownership. They take pride. And you have to have that. If you don't, what do you end up with? Your home is going to be spent, uh, you know, uh, sold and the money spent anyway. So I'm all for making sure your children have a place to live. But think twice about how you do it. Speak to a good attorney about setting up a trust specifically that outlines the real estate, if that's your concern. Okay, what else matters to me a lot? Well, if you're thinking about sending money off to your kids or or putting money... um, you know, in a safe place, one of the biggest estate tax problems, if you will, are going to be built around not titling the beneficiaries properly. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you wanted to go to, if Joe is your son and Mary is his wife, and you say, I want it to go to Joe and Mary, well, now it becomes community assets. So ask yourself, do I want it to go to community assets? Or do I want it to go 
to only Joe. And then what you need to do is you set up a chance for Joe to have that money as sole and separate property. So because sole and separate property are simple, it has to be in place where he keeps it separate forever. Doesn't mix his paycheck deposit into it. Doesn't mix, uh, doesn't put her on as a joint owner, right? He has to keep it sole and separate. And in doing so, it puts in place the amount of dollars that are needed for his life, right? It doesn't cross the line. Okay, another mistake. Just relying on a will. Ask Prince when he passed away up, up north, right? What happened? Ask Michael Jackson. He had a will. These are both people that could afford a trust all day long. Maybe it would have cost them 10000 I don't know. But it certainly wouldn't have cost them what it does today. A revocable living trust done by a competent lawyer, not on some free online website, not on some, you know, back of an envelope program. Maybe those are right for you. I don't know. But would I take a chance? Once you die, guys, there's no do-over. It's not like, oh, sugar, let me come back. All right, I got to come back. I'm going to do it this way because that was wrong. No, no, it's over. It's done. You're taking a chance. If you find it necessary to have a trust or a will, then do it right. Yes, bite your tongue. Yes, it stinks. Yes, you're going to pay a lot more than a will. I understand. Having a professional lawyer do it. Yes, it's crummy. I get it. And you should still do it. I've heard it said that a will is just a mere suggestion to the court. Did you know that? Well, doesn't the court have to? No, no, no. That's a trust. And there's still loopholes, but it's certainly not the same as a will. A will is, I, Arif Hallaby, give this money to Joe and Mary. All right. Well, that's nice. And it was dated a year ago. And I play golf, and I'm on the golf course with with Steve, and Steve says, hey, Eric, I love your golf, co- uh, golf clubs. I go, hey, Steve, if I die, you can have them. And there's three other people that witness it. And then I die. And Steve says, oh, I want the golf clubs. And Joe and Mary say, well, it doesn't say that in the will. It doesn't matter. The other three will testify that Eric said, and he wasn't joking, that if he died, Steve gets the golf clubs. That's why you have all of these people come out of the woods. I'm Elvis's love child. No, no, no. I am. And all these people come out and say that they were, you know, once promised money and they were the, the mistress or mister of, of these people or, right, ask share. All these people come out of the woodwork and say that they uh, are, are deserving of something. So nothing changes. Whether you're poor, whether you're rich, doesn't matter. Because remember, I already went over. All of you think somebody else is rich. If you have 200000 or $2 million, $20 million, doesn't matter. Everybody thinks somebody else is rich. You think you're middle class. Everybody thinks they're middle class. I've asked it. It's kind of a, it's kind of a running uh, survey that I'm doing. So where do you think you are? Uh, middle class, upper class, rich, poor. Where, where do you think you are? Oh, I'm middle class. Everybody thinks they're middle class. That's why the politicians enact these laws that say we're going to tax the rich. And everybody goes, yes, you are. Yes, go get them. 
And then you look at your paycheck and, or the, those tax breaks are only for the rich. And you go, oh yeah, we don't like those people. So I agree with you. Tax breaks are for the rich. But everybody thinks it's somebody else. So be very careful. I think you need to have a trust. It's just a, a an issue that I have that I'm thinking, you know, I, I'd want it done right. I don't want you to make these mistakes. And I don't want you to make a mistake where you are in a position of thinking anyway that your family is not as important. All right? Because a, a trust breaks down the rules. And having a good attorney break it down is even more important. All right, what about another issue that I have that, that I keep kind of going over? Keep in mind this. When you are in a position of trying to build your financial life, you can change who you have distributing the funds. Right? You can have all sorts of people change. You can say, when I am the one who's designating the funds, fine, it's my money. But I always have seen, even if there's two children, do not make them co-trustees. Well, I'm going to force them to get along. No, no, no. You will almost absolutely promise a fight. And remember, there are three people involved. There's him, child, you know, your son, your daughter, and the trust. And if there's a mistake that's made in the process, you realize that in this process, you don't have a choice. The trust doesn't have a choice. There's three attorneys that have to be hired. And guess who's going to pay for those three attorneys? Your trust. And, you know, listen, I have attorneys in my family. I love attorneys. They're good people, maybe sort of sometimes, but mostly not. They'll tell you. Okay, there's three of us. What's the price of the estate? Okay, we're going to run it down to this value. Now, I don't know if they have this particular meeting, but I know they think about it in their head. They're going to run it down to this value. And then by the time it's all said and done, what do they do? They settle for the same way that they settled yesterday, right? It's the same settled. It would have been the same number. Nothing changes. And you go, well, wait a second. Then why um, did we did we go in all these circles? Well, it just made the attorneys rich. Ask anybody who's been through a divorce. You're right about back where you started. Okay, so be very, very careful. Uh, the other thing, when I've mentioned a trust, right, it avoids probate. Research probate, see what it is, put in the value of your assets, see what it's going to cost, because you're going to think, in fact, I had this discussion with my daughter recently. She said, Dad, what about if somebody inherits money uh, in, uh, in a uh, retirement account? I said, well, it's still taxed. Well, what about a bank account? Well, it's not taxed. Well, what about... The- she said, but I thought the estate ta- or the uh, death tax was $5 million and change. I said, yes, that's the death tax, also known as the estate tax, meaning there's layers of taxation regardless of what you do. So, yeah, you might think that there's no big deal, but the layers of taxation by the time you're, you're done are pretty enormous. It, it means that you don't just have income tax, you have estate tax. Don't have a trust, you have probate fees. So all of these things can eat up your account. How do you avoid probate? Have an attorney take a look at your trust. 
you don't have a trust, get one. Make sure that it's done properly. Make sure it's done according to the rules of California and wherever you're living. And if you move, like a lot of people retire to another state, make sure you consult an attorney of that state and say, hey, is this still valuable? And he'll say, where's your assets? Well, I still own my house, my apartment building, my commercial building in California. Then he might say or she might say, well, then it's good to stay with your trust attorney in California. If you've moved all of your assets out of state, then she might say, you know what? You have your, your assets are in Arizona, so you should have your trust redone here for Arizona. Okay, so you're going to talk with that, and you need to meet with them about every two years because things change every three years. And one of the biggest mistakes people make in that journey is the power of attorney because you can expect way too much from a power of attorney. It's essentially basically an estate planning document, but you and your agents, if you will, your people that you designate, you need to know the limits. For example, in a power of attorney, the principal, that's you, names one or more people, often an adult child, to act on your behalf. But here's where I have seen problems. You kind of mix business and pleasure, meaning you have your trust, you have your estate document. The problem I have seen is adult children will also borrow money from you, and they never pay it back because somehow, somewhere, the conversation said, just take it out of my inheritance. Well, if you have that much money or you're okay with doing that, well, then fine, that's that's fine with you. But another way to do it might be to say, hey, listen, take this money out of my inheritance if I don't pay it back. And for every year that I don't pay it back, take an additional 5% out of my inheritance. So if I borrowed uh, $50,000 and I didn't pay it back, well, then a year from now, if I still didn't pay it back, it's now 52500 And in other words, it goes up every year. Because why would it be fair for one person to borrow money, $50,000, and then 12 years later you die, and they only reduce the death benefit by, or the inheritance by 50000 So you might say, well, you know, I'm just, no, no, no. Look, either you're going to treat the kids the same or you're not. I'm an advocate of not unless they are identical. If they both have good jobs, they both finish their education to whatever level they need to, they both have happy marriages, they both have healthy uh, spending habits and uh, savings accounts, etc., then great, you can treat them the same. But chances are you're going to have one spouse of one of the kids that might be a bigger spender than a spouse of another child. So consider this. Your power of attorney is needed. It has to be done because somebody needs to manage your assets, pay your bills, make decisions. If you don't, if you can't do it, if you become incapacitated, this has to be done. What happens otherwise is the court has to go in and appoint somebody. And that's guardianship. And then from a guardianship, then there's a power of attorney. And with all of that, surprise, the cost. But ideally, in a regular situation, the power of attorney makes it pretty seamless, smooth, transfer, manages the affairs. It's not a big deal. It's rather quick and easy. But a lot of people have made mistakes with this. Okay, so just make sure 
whoever is your power of attorney, that you meet with them. We had a, a client who had terminal cancer. And there was about $2 million slated to be left with five children, five of their children, and about another 10 of their grandchildren. So 15 people. So what we did is uh, I spoke with her and I said, hey, would you like to create a video, something that says how you earned this money, the sacrifices you and your husband had made before the money was just left to the kids so that they realized the blood, sweat, and tears that went went, uh, into making it and the value of it? And she said, that's a great idea. And so she did. She created, she created a, a, a video. We did a little mini class on the responsibilities of a beneficiary. We, we really kind of outlined what is it going to take for people to, to, to handle the process. And unfortunately, before she passed, uh, before we played the video, she had passed away within a week of that of us recording it. So keep in mind, guys, I think your kids need to know what you did to make this money, how hard it was for you. All right? Because it's your money, guys. I want you to spend it, live on it, enjoy it. If you have enough to leave as a, for your beneficiaries, wonderful. That's good. I'm okay with that. You have any questions you want to get together? Maybe we can help get some of your money safe, keep it out of risk, keep it out of the market from going backwards when the market declines, give me a call at Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial and Insurance Services. And give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. Okay, that's 888-997-3847. Important you know, TFS Financial and Insurance Services, every week at this time. Any questions, give us a call. We'd be like to help. Have a wonderful week and happy fourth. Financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.